Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to episode five of Matt's World. A little bit of a different vibe in this week's episode. This is because, in place of my usual mental friends, we have our first expert, or should I say sexpert, guest, Alice Broster. Alice is a sex and relationships journalist who has written for multiple publishers in her time, including Bustle and Forbes. We chat about how a career in writing on sex and relationship begins, the way dating has changed over the last 10 years, the most unusual dating trends and strangest stories Alice has come across in her work, and what it was like to chat with Louis Theroux on consent. We also share a couple of our worst date stories and answer some of your questions that have come through, which is very exciting. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe if you enjoyed the show and get in touch with me on at madsworld.mp3 on Instagram um, with any thoughts you've got. Our chat is quite juicy, so I'll let you enjoy the discussion. Hello, Alice. Hi. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is so exciting. You're my first non-friend guest. I mean, (laughs) we're yet to be friends. um, Yeah, I mean, like first specialist, I suppose. So thank you so much for joining the show. So I guess to give uh, the listeners a little bit of context, we can start with our speed date round. So this one's going to be a little bit different to the normal speed date round because you're a different kind of guest. So I thought um, we could tailor the questions like that. How did you start out writing about sex and relationships and what made you want to pursue it as a career? So I've always been quite open and like interested in sexuality. So like I am that friend who's like begging for more details when someone's been on a date. Yeah, yeah. And I was told I needed a niche when I finished my degree and I fancied myself a bit of a, bit of a Carrie Bradshaw. Oh yeah. So I started a blog. <laughs> it did not work work out like that by the way um but I started a blog and then I started trying to get other pictures with like publications and it kind of I was trying to push myself to write about things that I considered to be more highbrow yeah and it just wasn't like it just wasn't landing it wasn't what I was interested in I was like well if you're gonna if this is what you're interested in then sort of lean into it and I think it's like it's what everyone wants to talk about isn't it interesting exactly and I think as well um, something I'm learning with doing this podcast is the importance of authenticity and just Mm. doing creative things that are actually what you're interested in so Mm. I've kind of had some ideas for different episodes and that kind of thing and it always comes back to stuff me talking about passionately about stuff that I actually care about and connecting with different people and Mm. so yeah it's it's interesting that you say that it was most effective when um, you're writing about stuff that you actually enjoyed talking to girlfriends about or reading about or that kind of thing because that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm learning with the podcast. So um, how do you do your research in the sex and relationships field? Uh, yeah, so I think my biggest sort of source of knowledge and sort of resources have been um, experts and sort of sex therapists and things like that. Because I think mm-hmm. because everyone can have sex and can 
going into relationships you think that you know answers when maybe you don't you assume that you know you assume you have your own expertise because you know how the way you do things but maybe that's not yeah it's not the case for everybody at all yeah 100% and I think yeah talking to so many different people on the podcast has made me realize that as well and hearing um I mean everything's subjective Mm. isn't it when um it comes to sex and relationships because everyone's had their own experiences Mm. and they're all so different but yeah um so what what are some of the best books that you've ever read about sex and relationships so alongside all of that expert advice that um you do when you're doing your research have you read any really great books I can link them in the in the episode description as well for everyone there's a podcast that I listen to called the hotbed collective um and they brought out a book called more orgasms please and it was kind of one of the first books I'd ever read that kind of was specifically about um like female pleasure and why it matters and the fact that obviously orgasms are good for you as well as obviously being important Mm -hmm. um so that was really um that was kind of a really great book and also come as you are by I'm gonna butch her name but Dr Emily Nagoski and again it's about like the sort of even like it's kind of rooted in science really but it's it's about kind of how important it is to have a good sex life and the fact that everybody deserves to have a good sex life okay great um yeah I'll link them in the in the episode description for everyone but yeah that's that's really great thank you and um how has dating and sex changed over the last five to ten years in your opinion I think it had the horrible realization the other day that I've been dating for a decade so I was like (laughs) oh my god ancient um but um I think the obvious answer is obviously dating apps Mm -hmm. I think they've really um changed the game maybe for better maybe for worse I don't know but um I think ghosting now is obviously a thing that maybe wasn't the case a decade ago or certainly a decade ago and the kind of navigating relationships I think this it's much more blurred now it's not a case of you go on three good dates you become exclusive everything's very clear-cut I think now it's there's a whole you've got to have the chat you've got to like you've got to connect there's got to be chemistry some people think you know some people have rules about when you sleep together obviously some people don't yeah there's a lot of ambiguity isn't there for sure and I think also people don't talk about it so what might be right for you might not be right for the other person it may leave you thinking oh they're not into me or they're too keen it's just difficult it's very hard it's so hard to navigate isn't it (laughs) Mm. has the research you've done and the articles you've written for um, bustle and amongst other titles as well has that changed the way that you view sex and relationships and does your work influence your own dating life yeah I think so I think I'm very I'm not super good at communicating my feelings if it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and I think my work has taught me that like not much like pretty much everything can be solved with a cup of tea and a good chat like whatever it is it's always good to communicate it um And I think there's also, it's taught me there's a lot of toxic traits that we accept as normal or romantic when actually it's, you know, they can be sort of borderline abusive. And I think looking back on my past relationships, there is a lot of stuff that I accepted as normal behavior when actually it really wasn't and it's not something that people should accept yeah hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it when you look back on oh, stuff yeah. you can <laughs> see things so clearly but um yeah it's it's interesting I mean I've definitely had a similar experience looking back on my um, past relationship from last year where I was cheated on and um yeah things didn't mm-hmm. really end that well I think in the moment it's so subjective and you're just so immersed in the feeling of everything and then you can look back on it and think that's what my friends were talking about. And if I can just treat myself mm. the way that my friends do and care about yourself the way your friends care about you, you would do things so differently. But um, 
Yeah. So I think another thing I'm really realizing because as of uh, today, I'm 73 days sober. Um, I'm realizing Mm. like, I love how you said you can solve things over a cup of tea and a chat because for me at the moment, normally in the past, it would be over a pint and a chat and I would be, you know, it's kind of like the social lubrication that you get and it's a lot easier to say things, um, say what you really mean and that kind of thing. But now that I am sort of forced to deal with emotions and deal with my feelings and relationships in a sober space it, it is it's very challenging to speak mm. to people and say what I really mean without being embarrassed or being shy or being afraid and yeah I think that's that's really great if you can um yeah sit down have a cup of tea and chat about things but it, it also can be really challenging mm. and I think it's interesting that you say that because I think so much of dating culture now is surrounded by going for a drink and making sure you have that one glass mm-hmm. of wine before you go for Dutch mm-hmm. courage mm-hmm. in reality like that can obviously like that can be really difficult yeah like and it can lead you to I know myself last year I had a lot of other stuff going on in my life and it led me to I like went on a few dates whatever um every day I would go on and end up like wasted Mm -hmm. like and it wasn't even like a bit tipsy it was like I was drunk I could have gone to the club yeah exactly. I was ready yeah um and it's sort of it's hard to then look at yourself and think like oh like maybe maybe that's not the way that's really hard. I think there's been dates when I was drinking too much on a date and maybe they showed up and initially I wasn't really interested but as the date goes on and you get drunker your inhibitions loosen up you're like oh maybe I do like them and then it kind of Mm. like leads to xyz and you're sort of like was I making that decision in the right headspace and you can wake up the next day and think that that wasn't even me I didn't even really want to do that sort of thing and um yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting I've been on a few sober dates and I'm, I'm planning to do an episode about sober dating with someone who is an ex um alcoholic and co- cocaine addict and um they've turned it around mm-hmm. and they're over a year sober now and just the difference between dating sober and yeah dating or drinking not that I've got anything against it but I just think for me it was a bit no, a, yeah. a bit of a rabbit hole so so this is where we're going to get to some of the the juicy stuff. So what is um, some of the most unusual dating trends that you've come across in your work and your research? Um, earlier this year, um, I was a massive fan of fleabag. And earlier this year, I heard of the term fleabagging. Ooh. So obviously, I was like, ooh, what is this? Yeah. And apparently, it's when you consistently date the wrong person. Oh. So I was like, okay, I see that. Yeah. Um, and a, f- a friend actually we were talking earlier um a few weeks ago and she said that she'd been carnied and I was <laughs> like sorry like what and she was talking to a boy that was excessively into himself and I was like I like that I'm gonna take that, <laughs> that will be mine <laughs> that's stunning imagine that you're that influential that you have a, <laughs> a dating style named after you Imagine getting getting Alice or getting married. <laughs> oh, God, I hope it would only be positive. <laughs> I know. I feel like it never would be if it had been named after something, though. There's not many of those trends that are positive. Is oh, God, no, absolutely not. Oh, so Fleabagged. I love that. Yeah, Fleabag is um is a stunning show. I think that mm. I saw the other day that last scene where um in the last episode with the priest where she tells him she loves him, and I, I think I cried at a meme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know how she did it but I like oh. it's the last scene that gets me out it's so funny and so brutal throughout the whole thing and then that last scene I'm like oh god 
Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? I think it definitely mm. deserves a rewatch. Um, oh, so yeah. this is a good one. What is the strangest story that you've heard <laughs> through your work? And feel free to um, tell more than one. I spoke to someone for a piece. I think it was at the end of last year, mm-hmm. um, and it was a, we were talking about when's the right time to call mm-hmm. off a date. So is it ever excusable to walk out of a date? Things like that. And um, she'd gone on a double date with a friend. Her friend had set it up. And Mm. while her friend was having a lovely time with this guy she was with, um, Mm. her date spent the whole night sort of, he was talking about the drugs he takes on like the regular, which that's your thing, that's fine, but I'm just not sure it's date chat. Um, yeah, first date chat as well. It's yeah, like, you know, give it a few dates before you let on that you know you're a massive heroin addict. <laughs> Bold, um, <laughs> and his like past sexual exploits. Like he went into like great detail about kind of the girls he'd oh. slept with and things like that, which I just think is very disrespectful and charming. Yeah, and then um, really flirting very very heavily with the waitress to the point that she was quite un- um, uncomfortable. So apparently, to be at oh the table, God. it was quite uncomfortable. Um, and at the end of the day, she kind of assumed they both understood that neither of them were interested in each other and it had gone badly. Mm-hmm. And it was just a funny story for her. And he messaged her and was like, you're so wonderful. I had such a lovely night with you. I, I know it's a bit quick, but like, I really am really into you. I must see you again. And she was like, like, were we on a different date? <laughs> we're oh at different God. tables. <laughs> This just comes back to that subjectivity thing. Like people can view situations so differently, can't they? It's insane. And like just she was like, he can't have read the room because she was actively uncomfortable. So was the waitress and so was the other couple. Oh, my God. Like just not, yeah, not in the same room, not on the same date at all. Um, And then the other one that springs to mind is over earlier in the summer, I spoke to someone who we were talking about, can you only date people with the similar political opinions to you? And she said she'd gone on a date with a guy from Tinder. She works in music radio. He works at a bank. And he spent the whole night sort of critiquing her um her work basically saying that she was a bit messy but he could help her and whatever despite having no expertise in the area but whatever and um a lot of her work is to do with bringing through female artists and black female artists specifically and he said his passion would be to sort of speak for these black female artists specifically and da, da, da. and she was like well don't you think it's more important to give them the platform themselves and he basically blew up in the middle of this restaurant, like went from zero to 100, calling her a sexist, saying that oh she God. doesn't think that men should have opportunities and da 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 da. And she was like, I don't understand what happened. She had to walk out because he was shouting so loud. She said it was so embarrassing. Oh, my God. You know what? This reminds me of um of a date, and I'm so glad you've brought up um, dating people with different political opinions to you. So I went out with a guy. Um, our first date was at Simmons in Soho, mm. and – the first clue should have been that we were quite different should have been when so a homeless guy came up to me it's quite common in Soho mm. to get asked for money and that kind of thing and I thought um I could impress this guy by showing my humanitarian sign being really <laughs> generous and I was like of course like here have two pounds and like having a two pound coin is so rare yeah. like I never <laughs> even have it and I gave it over and I was just like look at me and then he's like mm, don't you just think he's gonna spend it on drugs no. though and I was like 
oh, not like this. And that should have been my first clue, but he was gorgeous, like a rugby player, really, really like physically attractive. Mm -hmm. And we went on probably four dates and it kind of didn't come up, um, our political opinions and our, you know, fundamental values um, (laughs) until the fourth date. And obviously we'd slept together by then and that was great. And we were getting along really well. And um, he then invited me to meet him at a members club where he was working. So this was kind of clue one. Mm -hmm. Like I rocked up in my, I think I was wearing jeans and trainers. So like a fugly look. (laughs) We were sitting there and because I mentioned that it was, you know, like in a bantery sort of way that it was kind of pretentious, like where we were and Mm. that sort of thing. And I looked around and I was like, I am just a fish out of water here. And then we started talking about um, gay marriage because I think at this point it had just been legalized in Australia. Mm. So this is a couple of years ago. And he was like, I just don't see why gay people need to get married. (laughs) And I was like, Um, and my brother's gay. So at this point I had been like celebrating Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, like for my brother who's living in Australia, it was like a a huge deal. Like it's a huge deal for a lot of Australians. And, and I was kind of just like, I can't even, I don't even know where to begin with this conversation. And then, um, we just got into this huge debate about class and about race and about, and I'm just kind of like, you can't really have these such strong opinions when you come from such a place of privilege like Mm. he's quite wealthy he was white he's a young male I'm like you have I mean you're entitled to have your opinions and that kind of thing but do you think that you should feel so strongly about maybe things that you don't really understand like you're not really in a minority and he's just like oh what you think I've never been marginalized and I was like well (laughs) like not really. And he goes, well, try being a dumb person who went to private school. That's marginalized. Oh, and wow. I was like, oh my goodness. And I literally got up and walked out and he texts me afterwards. He's like, so good to see you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, excuse me. We <laughs> I can never hang out with you again. Like what? Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was stunning really. So yeah, I think, um, Dating someone with different values to you is quite tricky because mm. you can have everything else in common. I don't know how it took so long for it to come up on the date, but but yeah, that was quite interesting. So our final question for Speed Date Round is who is the most interesting person you've met through your work? I've spoken to some like really interesting experts. I've managed to have some um, really interesting kind of conversations and stuff, but I did an interview with Louis Theroux last year and I'm a massive oh, Louis Theroux fan, so that was like a massive deal for me but we were talking about his um documentary on sexual assaults on university mm. campuses um so we got to have this kind of big conversation about consent and what consent looks mm. like and how to get it and why it's so important in 2020 and the effects that alcohol can have when gaining consent and so we just ended up having like a really big conversation about um if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. How, especially at universities, there is a massive sort of endemic of abuse and um, assaults, and it's just not spoken about. Yeah. That's so exciting that you got to interview Louis through and yeah, really and um yeah so d- was the conversation that you had with him was it like what you what you expected or it sort of took a different turn then Well it was interesting because I was I was interviewing him about the documentary but in true him fashion it ended up being like <laughs> he kept asking me <laughs> questions and I was like no Louis this is not how this works um <laughs> but yeah it was interesting he um he shared kind of a lot of interest in me I think it's difficult when you speak to other people about things like consent because it is mm. you worry that that maybe they're not going to have the same views or they're going to mm-hmm. think there's gray areas or whatever. Um, he was very interesting. Yeah. He said it made him reflect a lot on a lot of stuff in his life and the difference in sort of dating and relationships now. And it was very interesting, yeah. The premise of the show is sharing our bad date stories and sort of normalizing mm. those. So you told me um, an interesting story about a guy who you had an experience with at the end <laughs> – at the end of a date when you'd had a little bit too much to drink. So do you want to talk us through that and then I can share um, one of mine? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. So I'd gone on a date with this guy. I think we'd met on Tinder, so Mm -hmm. haven't met before. Um, And I think pretty much as soon as we arrived, we'd kind of done like introduction or whatever. It was quite clear we weren't super into each other. Like Mm -hmm. there wasn't a massive spark, Mm -hmm. but he was nice. And we were like, well, should we just have a few drinks, have a good time, whatever, sort of don't Mm -hmm. waste the night. Um, We ended up having a few drinks, not enough to be like drunk or or I wasn't Mm -hmm. drunk anyway. Um, (laughs) And then he definitely was. So he was like swaying. He was not there all there. Um, So I was like, listen, there's cabs outside I'm gonna go home I live down the road I'll walk it's fine see you later and he was like no I will walk you home I insist and I was like no at this point like if something happens I'll be defending you <laughs> so 
so I don't need you to it's fine and he was like no 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 let me walk you home da, 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 so, so, fine. so we get to the like it's literally five minutes to my house so we get to my house he sort of stood on my doorstep and he's sort of sidestepping and I was oh, like oh god what's he doing so I was like do you do you want to like do you need a toilet or are you okay and he was like yeah, yeah I'm fine I'm fine and he just sort of stood there and he had light wash jeans on <laughs> and he wet himself and oh it was just God. so visible because his jeans were so light blue. And he just <laughs> stood there and didn't acknowledge it. <laughs> what? So he's just stood in front of you, wet himself on your doorstep, and he's just not not brought it up. No, just not not even like. And then he went to hook me goodbye, and I was like, no, I don't think so. Oh, Alice, no. So I was just like, listen, bye. Walked in and like like into my house and closed the door and like screamed because I was like, what has just happened? <laughs> Um, and my flatmates calmed oh. down and I sort of told them and they were like oh my god it's almost like did he even realize like he was he that drunk that he didn't even realize what's going that's on that's what you worry isn't it <laughs> oh my god oh that reminds me of a story so I was dating a guy um let's just call him Alex and he was telling me a story so this this actually didn't happen to me but it's one that it's one of those ones that becomes an urban legend and mm. everyone sort you tell to all your friends and that kind of thing but he um he had a new flatmate move into his house and um it was a girl he said she was lovely really liked getting to know her and everything and then one night it was the middle of the night you know like 2 a.m and he woke up to the sound of what he thought was marbles rolling around on the floor and, and he okay. woke up and put the light on and he sees the new roommate facing the wall, squatting down, just just <gasps> having a piss on the floor <gasps> in his room, squatting and peeing oh in his God. room. And he was obviously like just speechless. He says, hello, like what are you doing? She's sleepwalking. <gasps> and, yeah, she sleepwalked into his room, opened the door, squatted and peed <laughs> on the floor and then just get gets up, walks out and goes back to bed. And the next oh morning he's God. he's dreading going down to the kitchen. He's like, I can't face this girl. He comes down. She's cooked pancakes. She's like, morning, you're right. Um, I've made pancakes and had absolutely no memory of it. Oh and so... God. From then on, he never, he never told her because he didn't want her to be oh. embarrassed, and he just got a lock <laughs> on the door so she couldn't do it again. <laughs> oh, bless him! I know, and he was like, she wasn't even drunk; like she just came oh, into the no. room, squatted, did away, and then left. And I was <laughs> like, you are such an angel for me. Like, imagine if someone told you you'd done that and had no clue. Like, oh, maybe gosh. Alice, maybe you or I have done that before, and our housemates <gasps> have just never told us. Don't say that. <laughs> I'd have to move out. I'd fully have to leave. <laughs> Honestly, it's so humiliating. But oh god, I mean, we've all been there. We've all had a few drinks, and I mean, I know I have. <laughs> done, done a Charlotte from Geordie Shore and, and wet the bed, all that kind of thing. But, oh, but yeah, so this brings us to our left on red round, which um, is, is named so because being left on red makes us question everything about ourselves. And mm. um, I've asked everyone on Instagram and um, the listeners to reach out with their questions because we've got a dating specialist on the line, lovely Alice, <laughs> um, to help us in a little bit of an agony art segment. The first one we've got through is what's the dating scene like comparing where you're from to where you are now? So I think this one was directed at me 
me personally. Mm. But I think when I was living in Australia, I had a boyfriend for five years. So I never really dabbled in the dating scene while I was living yeah. over there. But from from what I hear, I think when, when you're from a smaller town, dating mm. is a little bit more serious back home. Like if you're going out yeah. with someone, it's, it's not like it is in London. London's this weird bubble where everyone you know, stays young until they leave and kind of Literally. stays in this non-committal, non-serious, like crazy place where you can go out, meet someone, have a great time, go and have a shag. And then sort of that's the end of that. And it's quite normal. Literally. Whereas in your hometowns, I think gossip is, is rife and it's, it's quite different to that. But, but where are you from originally? So I'm from a place between Manchester and Liverpool up north. So mm-hmm. a place called Warrington. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I completely agree. I think if you're going to date well, if I was going to date there, which I have done, you've got to accept that you're going to date someone you went to school with. And yeah, exactly. you've got to accept that people are going to talk. Um, and when you break up, yeah. people are going to talk. And there's much more of an expectation mm-hmm. that you're going to settle down. Mm, yeah, I think that's definitely the same as um, in Melbourne, where I'm from. But but yeah, I think dating in London, it's so different and always changing. Mm. And it's sometimes it can even be quite transactional, which is something we've spoke about mm. on previous podcasts. But um, the great thing is as well, is that you can meet someone who is from a t- totally different walk of life yeah. and get to know them and their story. And yeah, I think, as you said, you'll end up dating someone in your hometown that you did go to school with, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, yeah. but it is a little bit more serious when there's that um, that sort of pressure mm. coming from um, outer sources. Yeah, for sure. Sure. And I think like you say as well, it's a thing of like, you're not maybe going to meet in London, you are unlikely to meet someone from exactly the same place that you're from, unless you're from a big city. The dating at home is just a lot smaller, maybe. It's just a lot more yeah. intimate people know. And people's parents know yeah. and there's just gossip in all different kinds yeah. of circles. I feel like it's a lot of pressure. So I'm kind of enjoying being far away from yeah. all of that and kind of having um yeah, having autonomy to do whatever I want. Um so um our next question is how do we avoid feeling shame about past experiences, do you think? I think this one's really hard. And I think you've mm. got it's not pleasant. Like you've got to look at where the root of that shame comes from and I think that's not easy and I think I know I've had stuff that I've worked through with and I've sometimes turned to friends about and I've sometimes turned to like a therapist about and I think it's ultimately good for you and it will ultimately benefit you in the future but I think actually you've got to sort of do the work and I think it's really hard it's not pleasant and but actually ultimately when you do it you'll probably end up feeling much much better about yourself agree and I think looking to the root of feeling that shame is really important as well and alongside sort of doing the work um, for yourself I think a lot of people have gotten in touch with me about the podcast and and the fact that it is it is a fun podcast Mm. and it is all like a bit of a laugh and stuff but um yeah a couple of people have said that it's become a bit more than that for them because it sort of normalizes those um shameful experiences or experiences that they felt to be Mm. shameful when actually everyone is kind of living these experiences and and kind of living the same sorts of experiences but maybe if you feel shame about something you don't speak about it with your friends and you don't speak about it with the people you love so you can't relate and you can't sort of have a laugh and like you know take things with a grain of salt because you you get wrapped up in your own head and your own psyche and you just kind of you know lock things away because you might feel ashamed of them or think there's something to be embarrassed about when when really we're all doing the Mm -hmm. same thing and if we can normalize it and 
and talk about our experiences it can be quite liberating Mm, for sure and I think there is power in that sort of me too aspect of having podcasts like Mm. this because I think if you're hearing other people talk openly and people can see themselves reflected in that it is definitely it's definitely powerful I think it can empower other people to talk about their own experiences Mm. so the next question we had was how do you know when it's the right time to make a move on someone so I think this for me is especially hard now that I'm not drinking because it's quite easy I mean I would I would consider it quite easy I don't know about everyone else (laughs) out there if you've had a couple of drinks you've got the social lubricant (laughs) in and you know it's a lot easier to sort of jump someone's bones and plan to kiss on them if if you're feeling the time is right but yeah it's sober dating I'm finding it really hard to know when the moment is coming you overthink Mm. everything I'm I'm like do they want to kiss me like they're moving closer like is is this what's going to happen whereas when your inhibitions are low from from alcohol you just sort of dive right in and, and that kind of thing but what would you say how how would you you know when it's the right time to make a move on I someone. think this can be like so hard and like you say there's no sort of one size fits all answer for everybody <laughs> and I'm a massive wuss yeah. so like until I know for sure Same. I'm like oh no no can't do it <laughs> yeah um but I think if like the chat's going well like you're sat if you're sat down sat very close if you're stood sort of stood very close I think mm-hmm. it's sort of fairly safe to assume and if you're unsure maybe sort of go halfway test the waters if you're not met it's fine nothing's lost just dip a toe (laughs) dip a little toe in the water and move closer and that kind of thing yeah I feel like that's good advice I'm going to take that on maybe yeah just go 50% (laughs) see if you're met (laughs) yeah Oh, I love that. Um, and this was one that we had from a, another listener. How do we educate men on how hard it is to make a woman orgasm? So this one is a really interesting question. It's quite a woke question mm. and I'm glad someone's asked it because I would really, I, I honestly don't even know where to start with this question. So it's lucky we've got the specialist <laughs> on, on the line. Um, what would you say um, for this one? I think when we think about talking about sex and things that are lacking perhaps in our sex life, we think we're going to offend another person when in reality it will help Mm. them so I think you can either in the bedroom you can either show someone like what you need to get there or even just Mm. talking about it outside the bedroom just sort of have like have a sit down like if you're having like a bit of a sexy chat or whatever normalize conversations about clitorises and things like that because that's what most like most women need in order to orgasm and also is what's usually left Mm. out but if someone doesn't know then they can't they can't help you they can't do it and actually they probably want to yeah exactly and I think porn has a massive Mm. influence on it as well I think like there's not enough representation in porn and probably the porn that men are choosing to watch um yeah no that's really good advice I think just having that open conversation but it can be really difficult for people sometimes so I mean if it's someone that you're with and you trust and that kind of thing then yeah hopefully that makes things a little bit easier so the next question we had this one is such a (laughs) subjective question (laughs) and I mean it it um, really depends on the situation but why do people cheat the question was actually why do men cheat but I don't think I don't think that was fair so why do people cheat um I think like you say this is like a super subjective question and people do cheat for different reasons but I think for some people the grass just is always greener on the other side so yeah. the idea of wanting what you have until you've got it and we are we do live in such a visual time now we have Instagram um, and things like that we everybody's life looks much better than our own and I think mm. also it's quite easy to cheat 
um, now. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you can do it and not be found out. I just think, I, but I think as well, I would always say if you've been cheated on, it's not you. It's, it is to do with them. A hundred percent. And I think as well, what you just said about it being more easy and more accessible, we sort of touched on this in last week's podcast about sugar dating mm. and the amount of guys, when I was doing some research on seeking arrangements, the amount of men that had married but looking in yeah. their profile was just shocking to me. I think, and as I said last time on the podcast, cheating seems to be in my head at least something that happens accidentally mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people out there that are like you said the grass is always greener and they're looking looking for that sort of um change in their life which was quite shocking to me but um mm-hmm. yeah I guess as we said it's so subjective and people cheat for all different kinds of reasons mm. and I think people are cleverer about it now you know you can compartmentalize mm-hmm. your life you can hide messages you can take a ring off yeah 100 percent. and my ex said something interesting when the months had gone by after what happened and I sort of said why did you do that like what actually made you do that and he said something really interesting that sort of stayed with me and and it sort of um made it was a little bit uh gaslighty made me feel like Mm -hmm. uh, it was somehow my fault but um he said that he was never ready to commit to me and he Mm -hmm. felt like if he didn't commit to me then he would have lost me And Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like having your cake and eating it too, like kind of, yeah, committing to me just because then he'd have me all to himself type thing and Mm -hmm. then, yeah, still just going out and doing what he wanted to do. So, yeah, I guess it is is quite a selfish decision. Mm And just thanks. It's like you can't have anyone else but... I I will have you and others. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's such a strange, yeah, such a strange feeling. But so this is our final question. And um, this one was from a girl who submitted it through Instagram. What is your advice on feeling sexy in the bedroom with a new partner? Dot, dot, dot. I'm nervous. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this was um, quite a good question. Mm. And especially, um, again, I know I'm going back to it. I sound like a broken record. With the sober thing, mm. this is this has been really hard for me because I think, yeah, we've always got, and I, again, I sound like a broken record, um, alcohol is that social lubricant. It, it sort of takes the pressure off a little bit. It makes things feel a bit less clunky mm. and a bit, a bit awkward. But um, what would you say, what's your best advice on feeling sexy with a new partner? I think um, never, like, underestimate the power of, like, new underwear. I feel like new underwear is always always good so if you're feeling good uh, if you're looking good you'll probably feel quite good even if they don't notice or whatever because I think boys can be useless for that but we move Um, (laughs) and I think um if you are really nervous about it try initiating kind of sex if you trust the person obviously you've got to have full trust Mm. try initiating Mm -hmm. sexy chat with them kind of beforehand either over text or in person Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. sort of ease yourself in just so when you're kind of in the either in like in the bedroom or wherever um and it's Mm -hmm. it starts you're not feeling like oh my god it's happening like it's beginning and it can be a bit strange as well especially if it's with a with a friend or with someone um that you've sort of um fallen into a relationship Mm. with and you haven't been there before it can be I don't know if you've seen on friends when Rachel and Joey end up together and she just (laughs) laughs she just laughs yeah I'm like that's so so relatable because and sometimes I think um I've definitely been there in the past with with a friend from Australia we were friends for so long um back home and then he moved over here and there was a time when we finally kissed we're at a festival and then it it started escalating I was like this is this is wrong like this feels like Luke and Leia I'm like yeah. we need to just stop and then and then we just started laughing about and having a chat I'm like this is how you know that it's men and women can be friends because yeah. we're both just like this is gross yeah 100% <laughs> I know I hooked up with a friend yeah. 
when I first moved to London and it like sort of started and then I just wouldn't stop talking and he was like oh shut up mm. like stop talking <laughs> and I was like sorry I'm just like this feels really weird oh god well um that's all the questions we've had from everyone at home but um was there anything else that you wanted to say or a, no- a note that you wanted to leave it on no I think it's just um I think it's so positive like having conversations like this like I've loved speaking to you thank you for having me on and I think having conversations like this does just create like a normality around it which I think is so positive and everyone does deserve to have the sex life of the relationships that they want to have so um talking about it only makes it better oh I love that so much <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show this is this has been awesome and it's very exciting to um to yeah have someone with so much interesting insights and so much to to save themselves so yeah thank you so much thank you <laughs> hope you enjoyed my chat with Alice please let me know on my Instagram at madsworld.mp3 if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share love and elbow taps peace catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.